1: Everybody assumes that we'll be facing another Biden-Trump runoff for the 2024 election. But what if, what if Biden and or Trump somehow end up not being in the runoff? What then? This is Malcolm at Eight, The Voice of a Nation, and I welcome you all today. We have our The Voice of a Nation team together and with me today co-hosting this uh, program are Wallace Garneau and Arnetta Notkin and myself, Dr. Steve LaTulip. Uh, What we really want to do is ask the question, uh, kind of step out of the box completely and just talk about A few things that might not go exactly as planned because we live in a world of contingencies right now. We are facing things that we've never really faced in this nation before. In fact, the entire world is facing things as never before. What we have, first of all, is the possibility that both Biden and Trump could be out of the picture for the election now, that might upset you one way or another, but let's face the facts here. Just briefly, Biden is aging mentally and physically. Remember, he's not a, really a candidate, but an installed candidate, an imposter, if you will, who truly is incapable of debating and uh, holding any kind of a lucid discussion uh, or on anything. So, um What is his chance uh, of actually making it to uh, be in the final stages uh, for a candidacy for the presidency? Will he be impeached? Well, I think there's a slim chance on that, but it's something we need to discuss. We know that one thing that he clearly does have dementia and his specific symptoms that he manifests right now, do uh, they actually suggest a specific condition. As a medical doctor, if I saw a patient like this, uh, the first thing coming to my mind is he needs a workup for Alzheimer's disease as well as Parkinson's, and they are oftentimes superimposed. Um, So will he make it? We don't know. Will he be impeached? I don't know. Um, We need to evaluate that. Now, President Trump or former President Trump, everybody considers him on the conservative side, or almost everybody, to be an excellent candidate. And many consider him to be the only reasonable option for the White House. But what if he's taken out of the picture? Now that Could possibly happen. Dare I say that Tucker Tucker Carlson did broach the subject and um, he actually uh, talked about assassination. Um, Would they possibly assassinate Trump? Well, and if they did, how how would they do it? Would they put a bullet through his head? Would they make it look like an accident? Or will Trump just be taken out possibly because they want to imprison him and they are striving really hard to do that very thing right now? So um, what is going to happen? Well, we cannot assume anything. So today, I want to really kind of change it up with our co-hosts and just talk about things right from the heart. Uh, We want to discuss things uh, like the fear and the confusion, the love and the hate that people have. We are going through a time that is very insecure for all of us. So let's just play that what-if game. What if neither uh, of the um, the primary candidates, Trump or Biden, end up being a candidate. Who might you vote for? Um, we know that our country right now is at a severe crossroads. We either defend the Constitution or we allow the current ruling party, which we now call the American Communist Party or the Unity Party, uh, to complete their destruction of a free American republic. So, How do we proceed? Um, I'd like to open it up. Who would like to uh, offer an input on that?
2: I will, Steve. This is Arnada. I would like for us to think of what's going on in our country. And I'd like for everyone in this country to use their imagination Face the reality that this is unprecedented times, dangerous times, and think about what we as individuals are willing to do to save our country. Because that's where we are. We are at a precipice to saving our country as we know it, a constitutional republic. So what would you, meaning the listeners, and each of you, Stephen Wallace, What would you do if you were faced with the situation where you might have to choose a candidate that would run with Trump in order to to stop the divide in the country, which would address anyone other than the progressives? What would you do? If that was the choice, if you think back to 1776 and the spirit of 77 what candidate would you think of for Trump to succeed?
1: Okay, well... Um... I think I'd like to have Wallace answer that, but let's assume a few things which we have to do. First of all, let's assume that we do have a free and honest election. OK, for just the sake of discussion, although that is another discussion. And let's assume that anybody's name could be on the ballot. Uh, what? How would you answer Arnetta's question, Wally?
3: Well, I would answer by throwing a giant caveat out there that we actually have to save two things. Saving just one of these two things is grossly insufficient. So we have to save two things. The first thing, obviously, is the country, our constitutional republic. We absolutely have to save our constitutional republic. And a part of that is, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men have to put our national identity back together again. That's a part of it. And I think that's what Arnett is is, is, is speaking to is the need for our nation to heal and to come back together around around something. But I would throw a big caveat out there and say that the other thing that we have to save is our civilization. And what I mean by that is that we have a civilization that takes certain things for granted, that makes certain very broad assumptions, such as that when you go to the grocery store, there's going to be food. When you flip on a switch, the lights come on, things of that nature, TV. It just, we're just, we have all of these things around us that we take for granted, and nobody thinks about how difficult it is to get electricity into a house so that when you flip a switch, you have light. I mean, that is incredible incredibly complicated thing. And, you know, we just take it for granted. Same thing with a grocery store. You go to a grocery store and you just expect there to be food. Well, when Boris Yeltsin visited the United States after Mikhail Gorbachev took over, when he was on the Politburo under Gorbachev, he traveled into Texas. And at one point he told the driver, he said, take the motorcade off. I want to get off the freeway here. So they got off the freeway and he just picked a grocery store. And he wanted to pick where they got off the freeway. He wanted to pick the grocery store. He wanted to be spontaneous because, or spontaneous because he knew that there was a possibility that Americans could set it up and they'd create a grocery store where everything is perfect just to show Boris Yeltsin. So he chose it, and they didn't know he was going to do it. And as he walked through the grocery store and saw all of the food, he cried. He broke down in tears. And he said, my entire life has been a lie. I've been told my entire life how terrible the United States is and how much better the Soviet Union is. At home, we wait for food. In America, food waits for people. And he was fascinated by all the intricacies and and, and complications of that grocery store experience. And those are all things we don't think about. We just take it for granted. And if we break the wrong systems or break too many systems, we will find that that entire civilization comes crashing down around us and you can't have a country. A country is a part of a civilization. You can't have the country without the civilization any more than you can have the civilization without the country. Uh, We have to say both of those things. And I'm speaking specifically of one policy or one topic uh, in particular, and that would be climate change alarmism. As I look at candidates and I look at people that want to make changes that would fundamentally destroy our civilization. Now, if we do what the IPCC wants us to do, for example, 90% of our food supply is gone. And it's as simple as that. We have countries that are already making those changes, such as the Netherlands. Sri Lanka literally went belly up because they reduced their food production by 90% by taking the IPCC's recommendations and the WEF's recommendations. So I would say that I, I fully endorse everything that Arnett has said, but I would add, too, that we also have to save our civilization. And it is not just the country that is under assault, but civilization in general.
1: Okay, but doesn't it come with a free republic? I mean, you're talking about a a wholesome society. And yes, I agree with you, we need to do that. But let's get right down to it. I mean, we have only two other Democrat contenders right now, right? We have RF, uh, K. Jr. Uh, and Marianne Williamson, who is virtually an unknown. And then we have one third party candidate, Cornell West, who, in his words, says the Democratic Party is beyond redemption. Uh, and then we have multiple Republican candidates who are all trailing by far behind Trump. So Um, If we don't have Biden and if we don't have Trump as candidates, then how do we save the constitutional republic? How do we preserve our civilization in America as we have known it? What do you say, Arnetta?
2: I don't think we do, Steve. And I don't think we have a civilization in America as we've had in the past. I live in California. I can tell you for sure that it is getting difficult to live in California. You look at Los Angeles, you look at San Francisco. California leads. They are the test case. By the elections of 2024, more than half of this country, and particular in the larger cities and the coast and the borders, will look like California. You have so going to you the grocery store is not going to be an option you know what they're doing that's assuming that we have a status quo system that works we're not going to have a clean elections that's already rigged we know that just by the arrogance of the progressives candidate and that's joe biden but if if joe biden is not
1: there i mean i know well that's we're talking about are you saying we they are strategic
2: they are strategic and they're cunning And they have already a plan in place to address everything contingency that we can think of and prepare for. And the only way that they're not prepared, the only thing they're not prepared is if we, as the backbone of the country, do something different that that would surprise them. But You're saying there's
1: no other candidate who is able, who would even have a hope of a chance to save America? Is that what you're saying?
2: I'm you? I'm saying that that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. So there has to be a way. And, you know, what if, use your imagination. What, what would it take to go back to the very basics? Forget the GOP, forget the voting process as it stands now in each state. What if We had the ability to do something about it, to stop this nonsense and this destruction of our country. And that is what would we do? Because that's where we are. If you can't imagine that this is Venezuela, this is Russia, this is whatever third world country you want. Think about it. That's where we are in history. This is not going to be business as usual. And it by twenty, the election of 2024, business as usual is going to look like a blessing, a dream that we live up to. It's not going to be the case. So back in early 2020, we went through something similar to this. Everyone, the passion for the Make America Great Again movement was at peak and I have never seen anything like it, but no one was willing to even think about or imagine that Trump wasn't going to win. We talked about it ad nauseum. We did even Malcolm and I did a show on it. Everyone Trump's going to win in a landslide. And I agree he would have won had it been a clean election. And I kept saying, what if It isn't, what are you prepared to do for? And that's my premise now. What if there isn't an election? What are we prepared to do in our own lives and to do and the sacrifices we need to make for this country and pretty much save the world? Think about it. If if America goes down, what's gonna happen to the other countries, free countries in the world?
1: Okay. So what we have is the question raised, what can we do to save America? That's what you're saying. What can we do about it? Well, um, I think a lot of people are asking that question right now. Let me ask this to anybody. What options do we have?
3: And with that, I would like to thank the members of the NSA that are undoubtedly now watching our show.
1: (laughs) i'm fine uh, with that wallace well i i, I, I by am by.
3: too i i am too i'm just throwing it out there that we are such a highly uh, monitored society today uh particularly things that are electronic that uh, you have to well, assume so what? Well, well, I,
2: we know that so what because no when they're you say gonna, what are gonna you're gonna willing to do if we don't eating. have
3: elections the options yeah. there get pretty limited that would be grab a pitchfork yeah. or a gun and march on washington dc yeah. and they're not going to let you do that there is no way in hell this government would ever allow that to happen They've got the National Guard in Washington, D.C. They've got a number of military bases nearby. You want to see F-16s firing on civilians, that's how you make it happen.
2: Well, I I get that. But what, all right, so they're anticipating something, and they have a timeline for it.
3: Let's take any option that has zero chance of success off the table. If you don't do anything, you at least maintain the ability to potentially do something in the future. Whereas if you do something that is guaranteed to lose, not only are you out of the picture, but so are all the people that march with you. So we we should take anything that has zero chance of success off the table. And I don't think that it is possible to violently overthrow the government of the United States. I just think that our federal government, not not just do they have too many guns and too many planes and too many weapons, but the security apparatus and the intelligence apparatus, with the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, all these other agencies, there are what seven intelligence agencies out there? They the the, the ability the that to, we don't have any means to to organize a resistance uh, that they can't take out faster than we can organize it. So I just I, I don't see that as there are things that we can do, but but marching in Washington D.C. with guns and overthrowing the government is realistically not one of them what we can do is simply be ungovernable and we can do that at a national level. Now uh, we saw that with for example the um, the the Arab Spring. That wasn't people marching on their governments with pitchforks and in throwing down buildings or or you know that wasn't a violent overthrow of the government. It was people just simply being ungovernable and it being painfully obvious that there would be no governance at all until governance fundamentally well, that's, changed.
2: I'm not talking about attacking the government and using Marching on with pitchforks, which we might end up having to do. But I'm talking about doing something before the 2024 elections because you're assuming after the 2024 elections, we will have the ability to do anything. Well, you're starting the assumption that we will have no election. You talked about going to the grocery store, you're talking about the internet. Do you seriously think? That we're going to be able to do that after the regulations they're putting in place and the people they're putting in place. I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw the other day that there are more armed federal agents than there are military
3: That's my point, Arnett, is that the greatest threat facing our country is an inability to create a cheap and affordable and reliable energy. Energy is the lifeblood of any modern civilization. And when you look at a party that wants to not only get rid of fossil fuels, but also wants to get rid of any viable alternative to fossil fuels, and by that I mean nuclear, the, the, the we, we do not have sane people running our country getting back to your state of california i saw that gavin newsom is now going all in at least temporarily on natural gas which is what germany was forced to do with with coal and germany is well, now mining but, the most the most dirty possible coal out there I, and they're actually shutting down a wind farm so they can get at the coal underneath it but so Wally, but they're Wally. paying four times as much for energy for it so now they failed um, to go green and they're paying four times as much for energy That's right.
2: Wally, I'm aware of that. So but you're assuming that there is a Republican candidate that has a snowball's chance in Hades to win the 2024 election. We are going there anyway, because no Republican candidate is going to win. And if there is that miracle, they're going to be another puppet. So we're going to go exactly where you're saying that if there's someone else out there, if Trump's not available or if there's someone to team up with Trump that would help get this country united, that that's the only chance. But if you're saying that all of this is going to happen without Trump or Republican candidate winning, we are at an impossible situation because it's not going to happen.
3: What you're saying is
2: going to happen. Is going to happen anyway. Well,
3: the, the Republican Party dropped the ball in 2020 and allowed Democrats to do some things that they should never have been allowed yeah, to do. Yeah, but
2: that's in the past. I'm well, it's, about but, what but we have to, we, we have to the
3: learn future. from that. Arnett, we have to learn from the past. And if with the example of Cobalt yeah. Hall in Michigan, for example, when they said they were shutting down voting for the night and they sent all of the observers home, the Republican observers all went back to their hotel rooms. They did not say, well, that's fine. We'll stay here and observe you not counting votes. They should have, because they continued counting votes and they did it without any of the observers in the room. We have to learn from that mistake and just saying, well, that's in the past. We're not going to worry about it again isn't sufficient. In Cobalt Hall, and then they say that we're done counting for the night and we'll continue counting in the morning. The Republican observers can say, cool, get us some cots. We'll sleep here and wait for you to resume counting. But we're not going anywhere because we know what you'll do when we leave. And that didn't just happen in Cobalt Hall. I know Cobalt Hall very close because it was near and dear to my home. I live in that area. I live in the Detroit area. But it also happened in in Pittsburgh. It also happened in... uh, it happened in Philadelphia. It happened in uh, in Arizona. What was the county in Arizona? It happened in a number of places around the country, and it was all the same thing. In one location, a pipe burst. We need everybody to leave except the people counting the votes because the pipe burst. And so we have all these things happening all over the country, and we have to do a better job of- How do,
2: how do we stop it from happening again? Well, you don't leave the room.
3: Take the bring in the National Guard and throw your ass out. You don't leave well, the room. We-
1: If I can interject here, I I think that um, what I might be hearing from Arnetta is that, uh, first of all, there has to be a spirit of the people. And the question is, is that a possibility? Can we unite together? Can we pull together? Well, I think there is a possibility. And um, Wally, I don't think there is any absolute uh, situation where we say there's absolutely no chance of success if we don't. Or organize if we cannot organize, because we don't necessarily need to organize to succeed in any endeavor. There is such a thing as an avalanche effect that can be triggered by just one little echo, one little sound, and then down it comes. And, and I could present um, all kinds of different scenarios relating to that, even like the January 6th. What would have happened if on January 6th, when those people showed up at the Capitol building, what if they were all armed? Would And, and then you bring in the National Guard. Well, The National Guard typically consists of patriots. And I'm telling you, there is going to be a division in the military. The other factor is that uh, if you're looking at the woke members of the military, they're not going to be very effective because they are not fighting men and women. They do not have that spirit of the people. So I think that you know we have to understand that we are living in a world of contingency there there are too many unpredictable factors to be able to say this is how it's going to happen but i can tell you this just even seeing how many people viewed the interaction with Tucker Carlson and uh, former President Trump. I mean, how many million? I think he's up to over 250, like 5 million views of that. that does that not tell us something about where the spirit and heart of the American people are? You see, I, I think that the other factor that we must never throw out is there is a God. We have always been one nation under God, and we none of us know how God is acting behind the curtains, and that can be for good or bad uh, as far as our sakes. If we fall away from God, then we are reaping what we've sown, and this could all be a judgment upon us, and if it is, we're wasting our time talking about what we can do because God will have the final say, um, but I think what Arnetta is saying is the spirit of the American people must come together for the good of America. How can we do that? Well, maybe just by speaking the truth. Am
2: I off track on
1: that, Arnetta?
2: No, oh, Steve, you're, you're right on target, because if we aren't willing to look at possibilities of what it would take, say Trump's not the GOP nominee, then how does he get on the ticket? You know, you can, is there a third party um, solution? Because in some states you can write in presidential candidates, some states you can't. So I think the people in the states other than that are controlled by the progressives need to look at the process. And even those that are in the blue states, look at the process, start now and do what's necessary to change the voting process to make it viable where it can't get hacked, where it can't get stolen, where it can't get, you know, just absolute fraud. It, that can't succeed. But then you look at the possibility of Trump being a third party candidate and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I'm. that's where we were going. This is how this discussion started. This We started this yesterday. And that is, I lived, and I want to give you just a moments background. I lived for over half of my life amongst Democrats and progressives. I've sat at the table. I've shaken the hand of Clinton, Obama, the Bushes. I know Trump personally. I've sat at dinner with him. I've sat at dinner with Clinton. I've heard the discussions. When Progressives have the motto, win at all cost, whatever it takes. That tells you what they're willing to do. So let's just think about it for a moment. Robert Kennedy Jr., yes, he has some policies and some beliefs that half of the country hates, Well, Trump does too. The other half hates those. So where is the enemy of my enemy is now my friend in order to save this country. I
3: initially thought that I liked Bobby Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr., that is, until I started listening to him on Jordan Peterson's show. And I listened to him on Joe. I think he was on Joe Rogan. I've listened to him in a number of places. And every time they talk about climate science with him or climate uh, climate change with him, and uh, the question of what is actually happening with the climate comes on. He always says the same thing. And what he says is, you know, I don't like to focus on the science or what degree we really need to keep the earth at or any of that. What I like to do is just look at what are our alternatives. And if we don't get off of fossil fuels then we're all going to die. And he starts going down that path. And uh, and and I take two things from that. One is he's all in on, on we need to stop climate change by eliminating fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And two He's not really that interested in the science. He believes it's settled and he's just going to do it. And nobody's going to dissuade him from that. And when I get back to the two things I think we need to save, one being the country and the other being modern civilization, he is an existential threat to modern civilization. There can be no civilization under a Bobby Kennedy.
2: Okay, so, Wally, let's take you as an example. You are absolute on this. Well, half of the country is absolute against Trump and the conservative policies and thoughts. So how do you unite the country? You are absolute. If you personally are not willing to look at the destruction of this country as an absolute, if something doesn't change, if there's not someone who loves this country to the extent they are willing to change their thoughts on policies, to give the country time to recover, then we won't have a civilized country. There will be the elites and there'll be us, the slaves and worker bees, probably do away with me because of my age, but you are being absolute. And all I'm saying is for this country to get, To survive as a country, we have to look at not being absolute. We have to look at what this country is really facing, and that is total destruction. In
3: 1776.
2: That's exactly right. 1776. Yeah,
3: but Arnetta, understand... Understand that in 1776, George Washington did not go around looking for a royalist to help him save the country with somewhere in the middle. We decided that we were going to impose our will upon the British and throw them out, building a new country however we saw fit. I don't right, think so, we're going to find somebody in the middle to coalesce this country around. I think that one side is going to have to simply win and enforce its will upon the other. If well, the right Republicans, now, we, Laurie,
2: without me finish. a clean let me finish. election, let me it's finish. not the Republicans. Let
3: me finish. If the Republicans were to somehow take power and enforce their will, upon everybody else, what they would do is they would force Democrats to live their lives however they see fit, and they would leave them alone to do so, as long as they allow others to do the same. If Democrats enforce their will upon us, particularly when it comes to climate change, we don't have a civilization anymore, and we won't have a country for long without it. I mean, climate change is, the the not having cheap and affordable energy is the fastest way to destroy not just our nation, but our ability to survive within it. That okay. is an existential threat
1: okay so what we have here is i think uh, we're feeling the sentiments the the heartfelt stuff the frustrations the anxiety uh the anger the angst um that i think the entire country is going through we need to take a short pause and we shall return momentarily to really try to drive the point home of what can
0: we do the silent majority has spoken we say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at dot com.
4: World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
3: Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25.
1: With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. And welcome back to malcolm at eight the voice of a nation today we have the voice of a nation team which includes wallace garneau arnett Nadkin, and myself steve Latulip we are obviously uh coming at a discussion on where is america going and what can we do about it uh with uh with passion in our hearts with a fervent desire to see america become what we feel like it always has been. Um, To do that, we need to get information out there. And I want to remind everybody that if you go to AmericaOutloud.news, you can access all kinds of really great articles and podcasts and get the news back at AmericaOutloud.news so that you are as well-informed as possible with the unbiased truth, or at least not, not unbiased, with the uncensored truth. And with um, a discussion that always comes from the heart and with the Constitution in mind. Our goal is to simply save America. Please also remember to go to AmericaOutloud.shop for the latest in health and product innovations. And remember, use the Outloud code for the special discounts that uh, are available to the America Outloud family. We cherish you. We welcome you to join us, and we do intensely ask at this time in our history that you please spread that truth, spread the news that you are learning so that we really can save America. Now, back to the issue. Um, Can we actually come up with a viable contingency plan for the 2024 presidential election? I mean, if, if we even ask that question, we have to assume that we will have an election in 2024. And we aren't sure of that. We really are not sure of that as a people. But if so, how will we, we be able to accomplish this? And if not, how will it be prevented, uh, the overthrow of an election? Do we have a reasonable counter offensive to stay the election fraud? And I suspect that this brings a lot of anxiety for millions of Americans because we are fast approaching the election. It makes a lot of us feel a, an anger inside that our Constitution is repeatedly being ignored, violated, and we see the effect of that. We have chaos, rampant lawlessness spreading throughout our land, and. It makes a lot of Americans angry and passionate. Now, if this was coming out, this kind of anger and passion in a child, we would simply want to redirect it. We want that child who we would consider the strong-willed child to at least be strong-willed in the right direction. And that's exactly what we as an American people need to do. I am glad to see passion. I am full of passion myself. I have strong views, strong opinions, a love for my God, a love for my country and my fellow man. What can I do to make a difference so that America thrives and so that those who come after us will enjoy all the great things that we have been talking about, the civilization that we want to continue seeing? How are we going to get there? And what will be our contingency plan? We have to ask that question personally as individuals and as a nation. I don't want America to become what I saw throughout my travels in the military. When I entered uh, grocery stores and any kind of a store in other country, you know, 90% of the shelves were empty and there were guards with machine guns at the door, making sure that nobody came, came out and didn't pay for what they had, the little that they had, because, Theft was rampant when you don't have you want, and sometimes you need even to sustain yourselves for lives. So with that perspective in mind, I'd really like us to focus about what can we do to unite as a people? And I'm talking as progressives, as Democrats, Republicans from the old school, from the new school. What what can we do to affect a positive outcome? Does anybody have a good word here to offer?
2: Well, one of the things, Steve, that I would say is the country, no one likes confrontations. And the heated discussion that just happened between Wally and I is an example of how polarizing disagreement can be. Think about it. I'm uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. Wallace is uncomfortable. So that's where we are in this country. If we don't discuss the harsh realities and then decide to do something about it, get involved locally, change as much as you can in the states that you're in, meaning the citizens of this country, regardless of who they vote for, regardless if they're independents, libertarians, Democrats, Republicans, if we can't do this and put aside the disagreement and the dislike for someone who could possibly help save this country, I don't know where we are. Does that make sense?
1: That does make sense. Wally, you want to respond to that?
3: Well, I think the challenge we have is uh, if we look at, for example, the difference between capitalism and socialism. Capitalism and socialism are not just two different economic systems, and maybe you can find a third way in the middle. If there's a third way in the middle, incidentally, it's fascism. That was what fascism was designed to be. And I think we can all agree we don't want fascism either. So... Now, when you get to a point where, for example, you want to go, one side wants to go left and the other side wants to go right, and you're at an intersection, you have to choose which way you go, left or right. Well, you can't split the car in half and go in both directions. You have to choose a direction. And that kind of is where the country is, is where we have, in the middle, a lot of people just want to go along to get along, and I get that, but... In in terms of the direction the country is going, we're either going on the direction the left wants to go we're going the direction the right wants to go or we're not going anywhere at all. And uh, I, I don't see – I can see compromise in terms of let's just keep things where they are today and not move too far in any direction one way or the other. But that's not what either side is calling for. And short of saying, you know what, let's not move anywhere fast, I don't see any possibility for compromise. Both sides want to go in completely opposite directions.
1: Okay, then let me just throw this in. As an American, whoever you are, let me ask you this. What oaths have you taken in your life? Many of you are married. You took a vow to be faithful to your wife so that you could raise a family, possibly if you decide to have children, and have unity. Are you faithful to that, vow, Wally, you're a military man. You are a veteran. I am a retired Air Force veteran. We have a lot of veterans out there. Every single one of us took an oath to defend the Constitution. Not our president, not our government, but the Constitution. The question is, can we be faithful to what we have avowed? As a physician, I took an oath to put the patient always first. Did I do that? Yes, I did. I did it faithfully um, to a flaw because uh, I am now without a license um, appealing my case in the Oregon Supreme Court. And I was neutralized because I did my job, because I was faithful. So we have to recognize this, that if we are going to accomplish anything good, if we are going to see three days ahead in the United States of America, it's going to happen through sacrifice and a willingness to sacrifice. I lost my medical license after some 23 years of of good medicine, not a glitch in my medical practice. I ran a tight ship running, uh, doing pain and addiction medicine. I treated everything. I did surgeries. Um, and I did it well, and I still lost because I was faithful. So we need to recognize first of all, and foremost that we must have a resolve a conscious awareness that freedom comes at a price And we have to be willing to pay for that. Now, I just got out of living about 15 months in a camper because of all that loss. I sold everything. I lost everything. I was utterly destroyed. And look at me. I am just simply more free now to fight the fight in ways that I never could have done as a medical doctor. And I think that is the spirit that we must have. And I believe that when the American people will be pushed to the brink, whatever that point is when the, uh, the camel's back is broken by that one last straw, I think something could happen. And it might we, we might go through pain and suffering like we have never even imagined. We don't know what it's like to live like a third world nation, to have the threat of bullets flying through our windows if we still have a house to live on anything on eating rats or snakes or whatever you can get to survive. Cause there's not enough food. There's no food in the stores. We have to say and ask ourselves, am I willing to pay the price? Does that make any sense? Does that resonate with American people? Do you think?
2: Well, I, I
4: hope don't so,
1: think-
2: Steve. I hope so because what you're talking about is personal sacrifice and my passion for trying to wake people up is exactly where I was at the beginning of 2020, because I knew that there was not going to be a clean election. And yet the organizations, the conservative organizations, the Republican women's organizations that I belong to Everyone was too busy. They had jobs, they had children. They didn't wanna go out and become poll workers. They didn't wanna go out and look at the voting process. And so I see it all over again. This, I'm too busy with a job. You are a prime example of the sacrifices that we as Americans need to be ready to, to change our lives and do what's necessary to save this
1: country. You're absolutely right. That's what it is going to take. What's your uh, two cents, Wally?
3: Well, I don't disagree with any of that. I just would throw on there that if we wait until the stores are empty to, to start sacrificing, we need to sacrifice before that. Once there isn't any food for people to eat, the sacrifices we're being asked to make are uh, now people are starving to death.
4: Okay, we have specifics. to fix the country before specifics.
3: we get there
1: well I think way. we have to start
3: with the election I don't think I have to I think we have to start with the election I don't think we can just give up on the idea of having a peaceful transition to power with, through a legitimate election I think we have to redouble our efforts now understand a lot of the country now we know which way California is going to go we know which way Texas is going to go most of the country we know which which way different states are going to go and with the electoral college we know how many votes that gives each candidate so we're really only talking about a handful of states and when those handful of, within those handful of states are really only talking about a handful of jurisdictions for example cobalt hall in michigan if you're going to cheat is where it's probably going to occur so we know where they can do this where they have the methodology where they have the people uh, and the control to be able to pull these these things off it's it's not like it's impossible for us to 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 take those elections back now we have some difficulties we didn't have before, such as states that have illegally enacted mail-in voting that uh, on a mass scale without going through their legislatures. That may want to do that again. So there's a lot of, of room for us to fight legally and other means, but. I don't think we can give up on elections yet. I think we still have to assume that we can have a fair election in 2024, that we know what the issues could be in 2024, because we saw them in 2020, uh, and we need to redouble our efforts not to allow those shenanigans from happening again, but we need to do it through the election process and, and not focus on what to do when that fails.
1: I think that's happening, Wally. I I agree with you. I think that people want to do that. We want a peaceful solution to restoring America. Um, Whether or not we can have it or not, that's anybody's guess. But I think that people are really focusing on combating this voter and election fraud. Um, Do you think that the 2000 Mules documentary actually accomplished anything? Uh, You know, Dinesh D'Souza's work?
3: I saw that and I thought it was very, very interesting. Uh, I do think that he showed that you had poll workers that were dropping off ballots. Uh, I shouldn't say poll workers. So you had uh, non-poll workers that were dropping off large numbers of ballots and drop boxes. What he didn't show is whether or not those ballots were legitimate. Uh, in California, for example, it's perfectly legal for, a, for a, a paid election worker, somebody paid from a pack, not paid by by, by one of the campaigns. But someone effectively who's working for one side or the other, you can knock on doors, you can ask for ballots, they give you the ballot, you can turn it in for them. Sure, if you have but, those but, ballots, you can also throw some away and fill some out. I mean, there, It opens the door for that. Uh, but in some states, that's legal now.
1: Wally, do you think those ballots were legitimate? I don't
3: believe they were all legitimate, but how do you prove they
1: weren't? Well, I think we're getting more and more evidence to that fact. So yeah, we need to stop the election fraud. No when, you doubt more,
2: about that. when you have more ballots and more votes than you have the population that are old enough to vote, something is totally wrong.
3: Yeah, and I've heard stories of that. I have not seen anybody was able to produce an actual location where there are more ballots than people.
2: Judicial watch um, has.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's been proven. That, that's that been has proven. Document. Yeah. Yes. I,
3: I've I have not seen that there are more ballots than people. I've seen that I've those claims. Steve, if you could show me that or not if you could show me that I'd love to read it. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll forward that. Uh so yes, if we have an election, um, Uh, You know, maybe we do have a chance. Who knows? I mean, they are afraid of Trump and they're afraid of him because they know there is a possibility that he could be elected. And of course, that's why they're trying to take him out by any and all means possible. And that I believe right now is their ultimate goal. That is everything that they are putting their energy into doing. They don't care about any other candidates, which kind of obviates our discussion about what are the other options. Do you think that they might want to assassinate uh, RFK uh, Jr.?
3: I think if the machine is going to do what it has to do to survive, RFK Jr., and again, i I one issue on RFK Jr. I particularly uh, can't agree with him on. Uh, that doesn't mean that I if he changes mind on that, I could take a whole nother look at RFK. Uh, yeah, I do think that they consider him an existential threat in the same way they consider Donald Trump an existential threat. And I think the machine would do what it feels it has to do to survive.
1: OK, Arnetta, do you still feel like we have absolutely zero chance for an election in 2024? And if you feel that way, could you explain why?
2: Yeah, I do feel that way. Um, I think there are too many contingencies being put in place where uh, there's so many options of ways that a national emergency will be declared, be it an, um, an attack on a power plant, uh, be it an attack on some town uh, that's staged or a new COVID or a new vaccine mandate. I do believe there will be some sort of an emergency declared and then martial law and on lockdown, then you won't get to the polls and you won't be able to travel. And you
1: you know, we've got an interesting case developing right now, which is going to actually put to test what the people would do. If there was a national, uh, shutdown of the country, um, Decreed, And, And that's coming, I think, with the next cold and flu season, because right now they're telling people to mask up again. Supposedly the lockdowns are coming. All of the idiotic things that have nothing to do with science are being pushed at us again. And I think they're going to push much harder as we get toward the election. So the question is, have we as an American people learned our lessons and will we comply with that? Because I think that could be a harbinger of what is going to come uh, in the future if they do decide to impose martial law so that we cannot have a vote and and an election. Um, Would you agree with that or not?
2: I would would agree with that. And I, you know, when you look at Where people get their information from, I would say that still the majority of the country watches the cable news networks. So you know there's going to be the scare factor. I think there's more education about the vaccinations, but there's also denials. And people just don't want to do the research for themselves. They don't want to make those hard decisions. They don't want to face the things that are so horrific that they don't want to think about. Yeah, so, they're, they're very yeah, cultic in some Robert, ways. Yeah, I think Robert Kennedy Jr. has gone a long way in getting the confidence of the non-progressive Democrats and the moderates in explaining to them how harmful that is. So I think you'll have more people that don't comply. And if I might, I might address the assassination or the oops accident or a health issue If things aren't in place where there is a lockdown, where the conservatives and the armed uh, members of this country are, I don't believe there will be an assassination, perhaps a health issue, because I think there would be civil war if something did happen to Trump that was obvious. And until we are locked down and disarmed, I don't think there they're not dumb. I think they're too smart to pull that one.
1: Well, I think you're right. I think you could very well be right. And that is the pucker factor that nobody can really predict what will happen. We will see who we are when uh, in a circumstance such as that occurs. And the question, of course, is will we rise to the occasion or will we not Um, Well, um, we've had a real heated discussion today. We've had uh, an expression of emotions and all of the angst that is built up in us. And, And I'm telling you, it could come out with anybody. And I think that this is a good display of where we are at in our country. There was a movie called Jojo Rabbit that came out a long time ago. It was a Nazi Germany spoof uh, on Hitler and on um, how they actually took down the country and did it systematically with so much deception and propaganda. And I would encourage everybody to uh, watch that movie. It's called Jojo, J-O-J-O rabbit. It, it's it's really a spoof on Nazi Germany, but the points are incredible in that movie. And what I liked about it the most is that in there, they they talked about Um, A time when people were trying to protect the Jews uh, through whatever means they could. And there was a a picture in there where these people uh, were hung. Uh, These were German people who were doing what they could to preserve the the innocent Jews. And they were hung for it. And um, the the son of a woman who was doing this asked the question, uh, well, what did they do? Why were they hung, in other words? And she answered, they did what they could. And I think with that, I just want to conclude with five points that I believe personally are going to be essential, regardless of all the circumstances. We need to rise above and ask ourselves, who are we? What is our fundamental foundation that we stand on? And I would say that the five points, if we are going to save America, are this. Number one, stay faithful to your oath. Remember, I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands. That is an oath. Number two, be willing to sacrifice for the sake of your country. Number three, do not, under any circumstances, compromise your values. You will pay a price. Number four, pray very hard. We have a God who answers prayer. And number five, just as in the movie Jojo Rabbit, do what you can. That's how we are going to save America. We are at that critical time in history. It is time to get involved and get loud. America.